All right, welcome everyone to another episode of the Jake Dunlap Show. We are very excited that you joined us. If you haven't tuned in, this is the show where we talk to celebrities, thought, and industry leaders to really discover their journey to success. I am super excited that you're joining us. This show is like no other, I can promise you that. You might laugh, you might cry, but you will definitely leave inspired and gain a whole new level of insight into those people that you follow, love, and admire. Welcome to Mini Episode Monday, where every Monday, Jake will be bringing you bite-sized clips from sales calls he's done, interviews he's been on, or simply his hot take on a given topic. As the CEO of a 40-plus employee management consulting firm, Jake talks with hundreds of sales leaders and CEOs each year. And with that, he's able to see what these companies are doing for their outbound sales, as well as get a deep dive into their sales playbooks. This is part three of a four-part series on building enterprise sales playbooks for an early-stage startup company. And in this week's episode, Jake dives into the benefits of a well-defined sales process. And in this episode, you'll hear that companies that follow a well-defined sales process are 33% more likely to have high performers. Also, 55% of salespeople don't have the skills that they need to be successful, but a great process makes up for a lot of that lack of skills. Jake also discussed the benefits for growth, diving into overarching views of business landscape, as well as the critical information for winning investors. If you haven't already, go hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast player so you don't miss out on any future episodes of Jake. If you... If you haven't already, go hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast player so you don't miss out on any future mini episode Monday series or any of Jake's featured guest interviews released every Thursday on the Jake Dunlap Show. Now, enjoy this week's episode. Information for winning investors, right? So again, for me, like this is the KPIs, right? So again, I'm, I'm talking about early growth, venture back. Like for me as a, a playbook, in my playbook, do I have the right KPIs for my team that I can roll up, right? A lot of you out there are probably trying to raise money. And that's what it is. Um, next up, again, when I think consistency across the team, what else? What should I be doing? Where do I hand off people to things? What's expectations for my role? What are metrics for my success? Consistency across team. How should I show up to work every day? I cannot tell you how many leaders, one of the big reasons they have friction on their team is they don't, they, they expect, again, someone to just show up and know it. It's not gonna happen, okay, right? I love this, right? Like 60% of teams, right? Or 60% or more of their total pipeline to actively design and deploy sales plays, right? Why? Because they're proven best practices. And if you have a proven best practice that's documented, I can replicate that, right? Again, we talked about this before, right? 33% more likely to be high performers. So again, consistency is great. It's great. Customer knows how you're going to show up. You know what's expected of you as an employee. It's all great, right? And so for a lot of it, again, when I think about this one in particular, which is that 55% of salespeople don't have the skills they need to be successful, it's a mix of skills and process. Because look, what, what, what a good process can make up for is me gaining skills. So if I'm growing and I'm learning a process that's brand new, a process can help me where again, I might not know all the skills, I might not have all the answers, right? So for a lot of you out there, just think of that, that, you know, again, if you're out there, you know, do you have a, a way to help to level up your team? The number one way that you can level up your team to, to take into account that 55% is having a playbook, having a process, right? 
So the, the other thing I'll mention here is around creating a reliable customer and employee experience, right? So what goes into that? Come on. There we go. Um, I'm really shocked at times when, you know, it feels like we focus first on building top of funnel, then it's a sales playbook, and then it's a how we interact with our current customers, right? And so the customer one is like all encompassing, right? So when I think of a customer experience, it's not just when they become a customer, it's from the start, but don't sleep on the CX one in particular, right? And then the flip side is again, the employee, right? Like how do I structure my day-to-day, -day, those types of things. So when I think about this like holistic, consistent experience, Again, have you documented the end-to-end -end experience? And for all of you who are leaders out there, this doesn't take a million years to do. Just to lock yourself in a room for a day, and you can probably have an idea of what this looks like. So again, for a lot of you out there, just think about that consistent, and then how do I show up on a daily basis, both internally and for my, my people? And that makes a world of difference, right? And again, I think for a lot of organizations, it can, it can be make or break. Like this process, this consistency of experience can be make or break. It can be make or break with your customers, can be make or break with your employees. I cannot tell you how many times I've talked to sales reps and leaders like that place was a nightmare, right? They didn't have anything documented, et cetera. Like they didn't have this, they didn't have this. And then the founder blames the sales reps and the reps blame the company. The, you know, the reality is it's somewhere in between. So again, having this documented, again, a playbook just isn't for investors. A playbook just isn't to say we checked a box. A playbook will help you to retain more business, grow your company, and also keep more people. All right. The benchmark. This is the, this is, this is it. That again, if you don't get establish the benchmark, right, you cannot really truly understand the bottlenecks. What I see when companies, when they don't do this process well up front, instead what happens is they constantly end up solving for symptoms and not problems because their process is not well documented. There's actually like a, a smaller you know, stream coming out of one end of this pipe. And so they go, oh, how can we, how can we widen the end of the pipe or whatever it is, or, 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 or even better, how can we increase more water? Well, guess what? The, the problem is actually in the middle, there's this huge piece of metal that's coming down and blocking the water flow. And so if you don't have a process that shows, hey, what does an ideal process look like? You're never gonna know like, Oh, we, we then check this to see what's working and then this and this and oh, now this is the issue. And so again, for a lot of you out there, really think about this and, and this last point about improving the process that it doesn't stop because then once this goes through and now it's like, okay, now how do I widen the pipe? Oh, we widen the pipe again. Oh, now this bottleneck happened. It just, it, it happens all the time. So for anyone out there, um, you know, it's just a, a big piece to think. So I got a fantastic question here that I want to take. Again, we're going to go to Q&A here in the next like five minutes. Uh, I've just got a couple more slides I'll talk you all through. Um, it says, how much room do you leave for creativity if everything is about consistently consistency, especially for reps that have been given on the team, been on the teal, been on the team for a while and used to having a little bit of wiggle room. This to me is like this. This question is it's from anonymous attendee. So anonymous attendee, thank you, because this is a very, very, very good question. And I'm sure it's candidly, it's the number one question that um, a lot of leaders struggle with. And I think it's, you know, we, it's this, this fine balance um, between the process and the art and the consistency. Here's what I would say. What separates a great lawyer from a good lawyer? What separates a great accountant from a good accountant? What separates a great athlete from a good athlete 
I think you already know where I'm going with this. Consistent and disciplined. But, but when you have those things, when you put in the work and you have a process, look, a million lawyers study the letter of the law, but some know how to read, like they read it and they have the conversations and they're good at being client facing, et cetera. Any accountant knows general accepted accounting principles, but great accountants know how to operate within that framework to optimize spending. So a, a process, again, great athletes know I've got to practice for X number of hours. So then in the game, I don't go in perfectly. I, I, I have the rules, we have the plays, and then I react. But it starts with the base offense. It starts with the base defense. I'm out there to run and to execute plays. You know, and, and I think too often, you know, again, it's like, and too often we, we again, we mistake this idea of having a process as being binding. The reality is it should, it's, it's, it's about disciplining in the process so you know it so intimately that you can operate more freely. The more you practice, the more you dribble, the more that you can do crazy things with, with you know, running the offense. The more that you practice law and you know the letter of the law and the intent and case law and blah, 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 you can, you actually, you're much more free to think, et cetera. So, so again, process and consistency can actually be very freeing. The consistency, again, is about how you show up and that you're not showing up. And it's not that you're not mirror matching or changing that. But again, I want a lot of you to think about that, that if you want to be all time at something, you need to have some type of process around it. And so, again, it's not going to take away from, um, you know, it's not going to take away from that. Let's put it that way. The business landscape, I've talked about this one quite a bit. Um, man, this is what I used to drill. I used to just drill my teams on these things. And I still do today. Who's our market? Who do we serve? You know, we did a big, big exercise, I remember, with our marketing team maybe three months ago. And, and I remember with our, you know, we have a head of marketing who's been here for a while. I was like, look, if we can't drill the buyer personas, we, you know, can never be successful. And we drill the buyer personas and, um, you know, that's why we're here today. So for a lot of people out there is, again, if you're not training your teams on these things, you're going to be in a really difficult uh, world, right? And that goes back to, I just got another question here that is, I think, very relevant to this, which is, um, B2B, a C-suite people complaining about generic sales questions they get asked uh, that come up with a predictable sales process. How do I go around this? It's the quality of the questions that you ask, right? I'm going to ask, I'm going to say, I'm going to ask the same question a, a couple different ways. Let's say I'm meeting with a VP of operations of a $250 million company. This person's responsible for operations for that company. I can ask the same question two different ways. And th this goes back to, it's the same process and way that I ask questions. But one is, okay, great. Hi, John. Um, tell me about the top priorities for xyz.org. Top priority, dude, what do you mean? Like, we've got a lot, like around what? Like around, what do you mean top priorities? You look stupid. That sounds generic. Okay, same, another version. Hi, John. And again, we've already been talking. I wouldn't ask this question. You know, it's not the, this isn't the icebreaker. But I'd say, all right, so look, I work with many VPs of operations right now. Right now, I know in industrial manufacturing, um, there's a lot of trends around simplifying supply chain, around you know, eliminating the, the bottlenecks in, in supply chain and having less vendors and other details. What are your top two priorities to improve operational efficiency at XYZ? Same question, just easier to answer. 
Because guess what? When I said top priorities, I actually meant what I said the second time. So a lot of times the reason that the C-suite complains is that people's questions suck. The, question, the quality of the question you ask determines the quality of answer that you receive. Facts, right? And so for a lot of you, if you wonder why your questions aren't landing, and by the way, I went through this myself when I was like 26. I very specifically, like, man, these, these VPs of HR are like not, they always keep kicking me down. And then I realized I'm like, oh my God, my question, you know, like I would listen to myself and it was, and I, would, I would hear the reaction to my question and I could almost hear the eye roll in the phone. I'm like, yeah, so, or what would happen after I asked three questions is they would go, yeah, can you, look, I totally get it. Can you just tell me more about what you do? And every time that would happen, I'd re-engineer like, what did I just ask or say that led to this outcome? So to me, if you want to know a trend of why C-suite people are complaining about generic questions, it's because the questions are generic and they're sloppy. And again, I don't need to know everything about everything. I literally just Googled <laughs> trends in industrial manufacturing. I could now, I'm pretty confident, I could pull that article up and I could have an intelligent business conversation with the VP of ops because I would just say, hey, these are the top two or three trends that we're seeing. What are, what, which of these are a top priority for you all? Or is there something different? What does that do that shows, wow, this guy gets it. He's done his research, et cetera. So anyway, I will not you know, build that over and over again, right? Again, and I, the last thing I'll tell you is like, as you scale, this is what investors are gonna need to see to have, to write a big check. The tighter your playbook, the more repeatable your process, the higher your multiple. So if you're a CEO out there in particular, and or a founder, and you are thinking about, Jake, I get it tactically. I am telling you right now, the companies that, set, that get invested in at the 50X top line, the 60X top line are typically, especially later on, especially once you get to like series A, B, C, D, like that kind of tranche, um, it makes a big difference. So if you don't have a playbook, hopefully I have, you know, given you some insights into the the details around it um uh, a couple actually here sorry we've got a couple more slides in here that are actually pretty badass um again what does this tell your investors so as i kind of come back it's like one it, you don't have to go back and do all these exercises you've already you already have defined for your sales team who you sell to you've already defined the competitive landscape you've already established your benchmarks right you've established your real tam not your fake tam i call it your fake tam that's when you go tell investors that you've got um, we, our market's over 125,000 companies. No, it's not, dude. It's like 17,000 right now based on where your product is. So again, this is where a lot of your investors are, are wanting to go. All right. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in to another extremely fun and interesting episode. I thought it was fun and interesting, so I hope you did too, of the Jake Dunlap Show. Uh, really great just breaking down everything that makes people who they are, the success the trials and errors and i hope that you enjoyed it as much as i did make sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and make sure more than anything to go over to jakedunlap.com that's where you're going to stay up to date on all the latest guests additional details prep notes we're going to be sharing everything on jakedunlap.com so go ahead go over there you can subscribe there as well too and we will see you next week on the jake dunlap show